one of the things that we learned is that we tried to do too much. <laughs> we try to bring every piece of equipment out that we try to do too much. We eventually learned how to simplify while providing the same level or even a higher level of service. One of the things I, I like to say is that what we provide is really an experience. With that experience comes word of mouth. When you provide a great service, people will tell other people. And I remember a day after we did our first event, I received a call from an organization in Washington, D.C. And I guess there was someone at that tournament that loved the experience so much, he called a buddy of his in D.C. And I remind you, this first event was in Tampa, Florida. And so they wanted our services up there. And, and that's how into the second and third year of our, our business, uh, we began to expand our services nationally. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Ian Peterson, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Dialed In Golf Solutions, which Ian's told me I can call DIGS. Apparently, that's, uh, that's the acronym we're going with. So he is the CEO of DIGS. Delivering one-of-a-kind experiences to golfers and sponsors alike, Diggs is the national leader in bringing PGA-level technology and entertainment to the most notable indoor and outdoor events that the country has to offer. So without me giving away too much more here, I want to say, hey, Ian, thanks for joining me today, and uh, hey, welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Uh, it is my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. Looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it also. You and I jumped on a Zoom call about a week and a bit ago, had a great chat there. You reached out to me or we just kind of crossed paths on LinkedIn because we're both doing stuff obviously in the golf industry. Had a couple of back and forths and uh, and here we are. So technology is a beautiful thing. Uh, and Without it, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I would not know who the hell you are or what Diggs is all about. <laughs> so, So starting with that, Ian, you're living in the Tampa area. I know you spent most of your adult life in Florida, but you grew up in the Bronx. So let's start with that. How does a kid from the Bronx end up swinging his first golf club? So tell us about your first golf experience ever, Ian. A very, very good question. Being from New York, you know, New York is the mecca of basketball. I wasn't introduced to golf until late in life. Actually, a friend of mine, he now lives in Wisconsin, Madison, I believe, but he spent some time, some years in Orlando, Florida, and he asked that we go to a driving range. And none of us played golf. We didn't know what to expect. We went to a driving range, and it was like the worst experience ever. And when I say ever, ever, it took some years to actually get reintroduced to golf, which I was late in uh, probably mid to, to late 30s. And my friends always living in Florida, always tried to get me to play golf, but basketball was my sport. Football was another sport. Baseball, those are sports that, that I really love. Right. But it wasn't until I was, wasn't able to play those sports at the level that I, I, I used to be able to play that I started taking golf much more seriously. Got it. So uh, I was just waiting for you. I was laughing inside because the, the last four <laughs> guests I've had, two of them, their first golf experience ever was on a driving range. And it was because they were elite level athletes in another mm -hmm. sport. And both of them had sprained or broken their ankle. And then their friends took them to drive. I was just waiting for you to tell me that you wow. broke my ankle and my head would have exploded. <laughs> it would have been three out of three. That would have just been too weird. So sounds like there were no injuries. You were just, as we say, you were just aging out of high performance mm -hmm. of those sports. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you got into golf then uh, you started playing on a regular basis. It uh, sounds like what, what were you doing at the time professionally and what did you go through school or college to what were you looking to do career-wise? Uh, so I, I went to school for a business management, but I was working for a global IT managed service uh, company. 
believe I was there for seven years at the time. And that's when I really started to play golf. A lot of the executives that work for the company and employees as well play golf. And that's when I really started taking it serious. But it wasn't until 2017 that I started to take, and I think we talked about this before, my practice sessions more seriously. Instead of just going out there and railing and trying to hit balls as far as possible, really focusing on carry distance and understanding the gaps between my clubs and things of that nature. And my scores just started to plummet. I used to be in in the 100s and I find myself in the 90s and then regularly in the 80s and then got into the 70s. And that's when I really started to love the game. Nice. Yeah, when the scores go down, the the level of fun <laughs> seems to go up. There's an inverse yes. proportion there between ability and scores and lack of frustration and with enjoyment. And with enjoyment comes memories and experiences, which I'm using as an obvious segue here into what you are doing with Dialed in Golf Solutions. So tell me then the business part. As an entrepreneur myself and the people we talk to on the podcast, entrepreneurs both in the golf and not in the golf space, Tell Mm us, Ian, describe your entrepreneurial aha moment or that business epiphany that led to the creation of Dialed In Golf Solutions. Being around buddies, everyone has business ideas. We always talked about our different ideas. Would it work? Should I move forward with it? No one I knew actually took the ideas and moved forward and actually started a business. But being around golf and, again, taking started to take my game much more serious and, and really valuing the practice time that I had and being smart with it. A buddy of mine, he suggested that we find someone that has a track man and, and really start working on some club gapping. Even though my game was improving, there were still some distances. I may have been on target, but I was either short or long. And locally in the Tampa Bay area, especially working a demanding job, not knowing what the hours were going to be. Sometimes when I got off, I couldn't find a school or academy or a course in which the track man was available. So I, right. I thought it would be a good idea to perhaps to start a company that catered to people like myself, you know, the, the working man that only was available early in the morning or later in the day. Same buddy. So you should just buy one. And he thought it was it didn't, didn't cost that much. And uh, when I did the research, it was way more <laughs> than I imagined that it would be. Oh, I tried to stop thinking about it for a while, and it just kept nagging at me, nagging at me. But I knew that if I spend that amount of money on just one device, and I'm not a great golfer, and I'm not trying to get on uh, the PGA Tour, that I would have to convince my wife that we can actually make money with it. And she was all for it. <laughs> she was like... I always wanted to, to have our own business. I think we should do it. But being comfortable at, at my job and making the money that I was making, I had to convince myself that if we did take this leap, it would be financially worth it. I, I spent some time working probably about three to four months on a business plan. I talked to a lot of people in the industry, went back to, uh, to school, took some business classes because I, I needed to make sense to me. I needed to convince myself. And we had our first event, October 2017. As a matter of fact, it was referral from my boss at the company that I was working for. Nice. Wow. So it's, it sounds like, to me, where you were doing the right thing that entrepreneurs need to do, and that is working on customer validation for the experience and the product and service you're providing. But it sounds, first of all, and most importantly, you got Ian validation, and even more importantly, you got spousal uh, <laughs> 
yep. uh, validation awesome. on that. So you got the, the green light to go on that to take it to the, ne- the next level. So tell us about that first event, because it sounds like using that as, as we say in entrepreneurship, it's an experiment. There's no failure mm-hmm. or, or shame attached to these things. Try something. And if something doesn't work, quickly uh, pivot or switch or refine it and do something else. So what did you find in that first event? Tell us about that experience and what you learned from that that then allowed you to realize there was a business model to adjust my or look at what the pricing model is and the break-even point and all those other good things. So tell us what what you learned. So for all those entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs out there, putting that first event, which is super scary doing that first thing. It takes a lot of courage. So congratulations (laughs) to do that. Tell us about that first event and the things that you learned, the assumptions that weren't true and uh, and what you were able to then take from that and uh, make it better. All right. So the pros and cons. Um, I'm going to start with the cons first. We, when I say we, it was uh, me and um, a group of friends who, being that went through this journey with me and we play golf all the time, they volunteered their time to help me with our first event. And that's a good question. No one ever asked me this before. But one of the things that we learned is that we tried to do too much. <laughs> we tried to bring yep. every we try to bring every piece of equipment out that we try to do too much. But we also spent a few days prior to the event testing everything out. So the one thing, the first thing I would say that we learned is that we eventually learned how to simplify while providing the same level or even a higher level of service with technology. And even though it's top tier technology is that we had to make sure and we learned that with some of the connectivity like Bluetooth and the things that connect to the TrackMan, we were too far apart with cameras, with the laptop and and things like that. But with all that said, and us being technically savvy, you know, we were able to quickly adjust and it it went off without a hitch. One of the things I, I like to say is that what we provide it's really an experience, an experience. This was with a golf tournament because uh, we have other services. But with that experience comes word of mouth. You know, you provide a great service. People will tell other people. One of the things that we generate at golf tournaments, it's a, a report of each golfer's swing on that hole or holes, depending on how many stations that they would like out there. So they see they swing from multiple camera angles. They can compare their their videos to pros, their numbers to pros. They can see their ranking for the tournament. And it's something that you typically don't see. So people will send that report out. And I remember a day after we did our first event, I received a call from an organization in Washington, D.C. And I guess there was someone at that tournament that loved the experience so much. He called a buddy of his in D.C. And remind you, this first event was in Tampa. Florida. And so they wanted our services up there. And that's how we, into the second and third year of our business, how we begin to expand our services nationally. I love that. And word of mouth is crucial for early growth companies, for startups Mm -hmm. like yourself, where you have very little marketing budget. You have really no brand awareness for digs at that time. So that your customer acquisition cost for that particular one was zero. The uh, the marketing was your experience that you provided. So great learnings there. I'm assuming that, yeah, treat every customer and exceed their expectations and blow them away. And they tell friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, they do. 
I, I find it very interesting too, is you are tapping into where there's been massive growth over the last couple of years and will continue, even though I realize with COVID-19, people aren't out doing what they normally do. But the experience economy last year, I know the stats that in North America, we spent four times as much on experiences as we did on material goods. And that mm-hmm. gap will continue to grow. And it sounds like you are positioned very well for that. And I'm, I'm sure as part of your business plan, that's not lost on you, the massive growth in the experience economy and the way that you're tying into that. Yes, correct. Yeah. I wanted to ask you this. You mentioned earlier that you had this idea and so many friends have ideas on the same way with as an entrepreneur <laughs> and seeing other people and myself having lots of ideas. As the saying goes, uh, ideas are like belly buttons. Everybody has one. I have an Australian mm-hmm. friend that uses a more vulgar part of the human anatomy to describe uh, <laughs> that, but I'm sure you can use your imagination. And, and it is true though. That's like 0.01% of what it is that it takes to actually move this forward. So, so I'm very curious to learn about the relationships that you have with TrackMan. Because one thing I love also, Ian, is the fact that you're living proof for everybody out there that's thinking about entrepreneurship, that you don't have to create something from zero, have a blank piece of paper and say, I have to invent something from scratch. You Mm -hmm. saw opportunities, you brought all these other pieces together and saw value and you created that. So can you tell us a bit about how you then reached out to TrackMan then forge that partnership that is so crucial for the success of your business model? It was actually pretty easy to uh, reach out to TrackMan. I believe I got their information online at uh, trackmangolf.com. Then I met with the, the local representative out of Orlando. And uh, we actually had, I believe, three meetings and uh, three in-person meetings, three meetings via the phone. And I had, again, a business plan in place. And then there were some other functionalities of TrackMan that I wasn't aware of that wasn't prominent on their website. And uh, we met on those and they thought with my business model, these additional services can really be beneficial or really be popular if we pushed it a certain way. And I'm talking about the golf tournament services that we provide. And they've been very supportive ever since. I can call that representative. Actually, he's a regional guy now. He got promoted. They've also helped out when we uh, had really big tournaments in other locations where we needed multiple track bands. And they've been, been really good partners of ours. Nice, nice. So I'm not going to grind you on this one, but I'm going to pretend like I'm doing the Shark Tank thing, like I'm a potential investor here. So I'm going to ask you, not that they're going to be super tough questions, but I'm just going to going to ask you this, because as you know, when you have the pitch deck, one of the things you have to have is who is the competition? Who are your partners? What are your barriers to entry? What is the unique IP that you have? So it sounds like your partnership with TrackMan is very, very strong. If this is an inappropriate question or it's awkward, just let me know, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So what would prevent TrackMan to say, you know what, what Ian's created here with Dialed In Golf Solutions, this is awesome. We're just going to take this in-house and we're going to expand this and then scale this up across the country. What type of value exchange do you have for them that will have TrackMan support you and it help you succeed? TrackMan, their focus really is on the teaching aspect of the technology. It's a very expensive device. They focus heavily on the PGA level or those who are on the road to the PGA. That's what set them apart from their competition. What we do, according to TrackMan, they will have to charge too much for the majority of the events that we do have, that we do book, are fundraising events. They're foundations, they're nonprofit companies, and they cannot afford the same service at the rate that TrackMan charges. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. I always love the journey of the customer experience and you're all about experiences here. So I'm sure you'll be happy to, to answer this one. So let's say I approached you. I'm going to be in the Tampa area. Let's say it's the PGA show next year, next January. After the event, say the week afterwards, I say, Ian, hook us up. We've got 20 people that I'm inviting for a Mod Golf podcast charity event. What would you do? Could you do a turnkey and organize everything, including the course of where we can go? Or tell me about what you what you could offer me as, as an experience for a one day from beginning to end. So typically, we work with either tournament companies or we work directly with the foundation. We do not organize the entire event or the entire tournament. We're just um, an add-on, an add-on service that enhances the, the, the event that's being organized by right. someone else. And as I mentioned, it doesn't have to be a tournament. We can do a lot of things indoors. And what we can do outdoors, we can actually do indoors with virtual golf. We also have pretty cool putting greens. We can put together an 18-hole miniature golf course indoors, outdoors, anywhere. It could be nine holes. It could be six holes, you know, whatever, whatever you want. Uh, we also have the golf simulators. We did some pretty cool things where you can have a long drive contest, you know, hitting into an impact screen that's projecting St. Andrews, for example. We've done some pretty cool things for member guest events at some private clubs where after the tournament, we have these competitions, you know, whether it's a team long drive or team accuracy contest. And those have been very popular in the Tampa Bay area as well. Um, so again, we, we don't organize the entire event unless we're doing something specifically for the golf course where we, and we can bring all of our services together in one. But when we talk about a, a bigger event, something for like uh, maybe a baseball team or a hockey team or golf tournament, we just an add-on service that enhances the experience of the golfer playing and also it adds more value to the sponsors because what the golfers receive after the event they look at it over 20 times and it could be branded with one sponsor multiple sponsors every time they look at it they will see who sponsored our service or who sponsored that golf tour oh i, I love it and sounds like you're really staying in your lane when you talked about that very first event you did back in 2017 you tried doing way too much right? you were saying, <laughs> yeah. and uh trying <laughs> yeah. to boil the ocean i'm mm-hmm. sure as you know that whole lean startup minimal viable product thing it isn't just for product it actually is for experiences too you're trying to do all these different features rather than just keep it simple and keep it clear and it sounds like you've learned over the years rather than getting sucked into that where i was leading you there is like well why don't we become an events company and why don't we do all mm-hmm. this other stuff is like no it sounds like you understand the real value you add and stay in your lane and you add those really high value pieces to what you're doing and sounds like you're becoming masters at it which is amazing really good so next question as an entrepreneur i want to want to ask this being in the tampa area it sounds like you work most in central florida maybe a little bit up maybe a little down what you're creating here what's the future for digs are you going to scale this thing nationally are you looking at other markets that you're going to start to scale because it sounds like once you've got this in place you can start to scale this so what are your hopes and dreams putting the whole covid thing on on yeah. part of that for a second like as far as when everything yeah. really kicks back in but what are your hopes let's say two or three or five years from now or where digs is going to be yeah, our goal and then our hopes and dreams is to scale it and kind of mimic what we have here in Tampa and other markets. Um, you have uh, some golf-heavy markets in Myrtle Beach, you have places in Arizona, Texas have been really big for us as well. But one of the things that we do locally that we don't do nationally, we have a partnership with Chichi Rodriguez Golf Club and Youth Academy. All right. Actually, our, head- our headquarters are at their driving range 
because I'm not a I'm not an instructor. I'm not a PJ instructor. I don't want to be a PJ instructor. But all of the instructors there are trained on TrackMan, so they use it for instruction. They use it for club fitting. Uh, we do TrackMan rentals there. And being that we see so many golfers. We really don't have to spend much money on marketing because of having that information already in our, our database. We can reach out to those individuals for all of our services, whether it's a golf tournament, something for the office or instruction. So I, I like to mimic what we have set up here in Tampa and have those at other golf rich markets. Nice. Nice. Just looking at your website, I saw the stats there. So you've been going for like 2017. You've been really going for three seasons, I guess you could say, three full seasons. Yeah. Oh, it's going on to three full seasons. Yes. There you go. And I see you've had on there the stats right now, 179 events held with over 18,000 golfers served. Those are pretty darn good numbers. So you're getting your your reps in there as far as figuring out event-wise what works. So you're putting out a lot of events. How big of a Mm -hmm. team do you have and how do you work that? Do you outsource a lot of these things? Do you automate certain pieces? Tell us about the size of the team you have there with dialed in golf solutions so those numbers are actually a lot higher i need to update the website we're over 200 now (laughs) (laughs) so we hire contractors there's a lot of guys in the golf industry instructors uh, guys that are trying to make it on tour that love our service love our product and want to be involved some way somehow so we hire those individuals out and they handle a lot of our our tournaments including myself i I need to get myself out of that be more strategic and, and work more on relationships and growing this thing uh, we have one, two, three, four, so five, six in total. Six, six in total. Including myself, yes. Got a lean, mean company machine there going. I, I, I like it. And there's great lessons there also for entrepreneurs to learn. As you scale and you look to grow, don't try to do everything yourself. And that's part of leadership too. Uh, you're exuding this definitely, Ian. That You have to outsource certain pieces, delegate, and empower people people that love doing that piece of work or that's what they do rather than trying to figure it out all yourself. Try to automate certain pieces, but also reach out for help, like you're saying, so you can, as you just touched on there, so you can work on the business rather than 100% in the business. It sounds like that's what you're doing, trying to extract yourself so you can start to grow over time here, which is awesome. Love this. Also wanted to ask you with COVID-19 to circle back here with your business model. I'm assuming things at this particular moment are on hold and looking to bust them out over the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months. So where do you see right now? A lot of entrepreneurs I talk to, and I talk to lots, not only in the golf space, a lot of them are putting things on hold right now. A lot of them are using this as opportunities to recalibrate or look at other opportunities. I wouldn't say a full pivot, but even just tweak or refine the offering to align with how people are not only socializing and interacting and the behaviors right now and what's going to come out the other side. So what have you done over the last eight weeks with you and your team? I'm sure you've had conversations about this, of how your events, even the first ones you do, are going to change in some way, shape, or form as compared to what they were pre-COVID. So can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So we've the last eight weeks, we spent a lot of time because we have a busy fall season and we've had almost 40 events that have been postponed or rescheduled to the fall. So we've been spending a lot of time working out the logistics and understanding what needs to be done in order for us to satisfy not only our recurring customers, but now with this new interest and again, word of mouth, this is probably going to be our busiest spring season thus far. 
So we spend a lot of time trying to logistically work those things out to ensure that we can satisfy all of our customers, the recurring customers, and also new customers. And also catching up on, there's just back office things that need to be caught up on. So, you know, we're in great shape there now. Working on some new services. I mentioned the putting greens. The, right. That, so that's new for us. So trying to add that. You don't see that on our website just yet, but that needs to be added to the website. We also have Digs of Pearl that we begin to sell. That's been doing actually pretty well over the last month. And, and I appreciate the support, especially of the local community, knowing that we're a newer company and, and that we're impacted by COVID. And, and this is a much needed, I can't say break because we have been busy. It's just not, we're not busy at events. We're just busy catching up on things, trying to introduce new services, logistically trying to work some things out for the fall or late summer as well. But uh, it's been a much, a much needed time off. And I, I love hearing that as your response because I've talked to quite a few companies, whether they are just small startups or early growth companies or even larger companies, that during a lot of recessions, and this is even worse than a recession, it's hit us so quick, mm-hmm. of course, is they just panic. They kind of circle the wagons and pull in the horns and they don't spend anything on marketing, nothing on innovation. It's all about cutting costs in a way they're just hunkering down to try to weather the storm. And I understand you have to be realistic about that, but it's a matter of reallocating the assets you have, obviously cutting where you can, but it sounds like you're spending that time so that when it comes back, you're going to be ready rather than a lot of companies will be flat-footed and they'll mm-hmm. start be starting from almost a standstill. Yeah, yeah. We Which is great ready. that you're you're doing that and you're staying optimistic because it will come back and it mm-hmm. sounds like people love what you're doing here. want to ask you this as we finish up here, Ian. As an entrepreneur, it sounds like you, like me, got into entrepreneurship a little later in life. So who has inspired you over the last while to kind of give you that confidence to then take that leap as an entrepreneur, people that you've met personally that you consider as mentors, maybe people just whether it's through podcasts or even books or anything out there that you could perhaps share with our listeners here that have inspired you and encouraged you over the last couple of years uh, along your entrepreneurial journey? And the first side, again, the support of my wife from the, the very beginning, you know, she was more confident than I was. She's part of uh, convincing me to, to move forward with it. So it, it starts there. And then we just developed some some great relationships uh, locally that has helped us, you know, on our journey. And again, going back to Chi Chi's, the Academy, the Youth Foundation, I'm actually part of the Academy Executive Committee. Their board of directors have been very supportive, even during this uh, time with the, the impact of COVID-19. We have a, a great relationship with uh, another private course here, um, Avila Country Club. They've been very supportive of us over over the years. And even uh, the, the company that I, I used to work for, I'm still in contact with many people there, some of the executives that have served and continue to serve as mentors during this uh, this process. And then I have uh, relatives that are entrepreneurs as well. Some have been entrepreneurs for some years, some are, are fairly new, some are older, some are younger. And we bounce things off of each other um, all the time. We share articles, we, we share books, we share what we think that can help us move forward. But I'm always constantly looking to improve, not only the business, but also myself. I have a great um, business consultant and she's, <laughs> she's she gives me what I need at the right time. And she puts me back on track. I, I was never overly concerned with the impact of, of COVID because you know, the way my mind works, I can use this time to, as, as we talked about before, to be ready. 
Sometimes there's a, a concern, and when I'm concerned, I can get disappointed in myself, and I get disappointed that I was disappointed. <laughs> she can always get me. She can always get me back on, on track. And and our attorney, just the information, just sifting and sorting through all that information that's out there. What's what's out there that can benefit Diggs? What decisions can we make? Uh, what decisions shouldn't we make that either could benefit or hurt Diggs? So uh, we have a good supportive team from that standpoint with uh, the business consultant, our attorney, our, our accountant, and again these support that I have of the, the Tampa Bay area has just been tremendous. And we have partners outside of the Tampa Bay area and other states as well that we keep in constant contact with. I mentioned before that I work with uh, event companies or they hire us to, as a component of uh, the services that they're providing. And we keep in contact and lift each other up and we'll be there for one another when you know that veil is lifted and we can move forward. That's so good. And and just with that, you said, I like that the way you, you described that there is lift each other up and, mm-hmm. and provide value for both of you. So you're not always just asking people, I'm sure you get this all the time, back when we can go together to, to go for a coffee and say, can I just mm-hmm. pick your brain? And I have quite a few people, yeah. they do that and all they, they're not offering anything in, in exchange. An hour of my time is worth more than a cup of coffee. That sounds terrible, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's got, there's got to be something uh, both ways. Even when you and I connected there, we just had a chat back and forth and like-minded guys. And here we are. That's so valuable for entrepreneurs is to put yourself out there, offer people just even say, how can I help you? And you'll be surprised of what you'll get in return when people then want to help you because that's the approach you have. You're not taking that, I want all the toys in the sandbox approach, which unfortunately uh, some business people have in the world. And I think you've got a long-term strategy in place there and serving you well. And it's exciting to see where you're going to go with digs over the next couple of years. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Good stuff. Yes, it is. Thank you. Hey, hey, you're welcome, Ian. So, hey, as we finish up here, please share with our listeners where they can go to learn more about Diggs. All right. So our website is www.dialedengolfsolutions.com. Again, that's www.dialedengolfsolutions.com. Facebook, Dialed In Golf. Instagram, Dialed In Golf. And Twitter, Dialed Golf. So that's where you can find us. Dialed in Golf Solutions or Diggs for sure. Nice. And so people don't have to quickly write all that down or pause and replay that as I always do. I will include all of your links for social and your website in the show notes for your episode. I'll also include those in your personal bio page that we have for the Mod Golf Podcast also. So it'll be nice and easy for people to find you and learn more about Diggs. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, hey, Ian Peterson, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Dialed in Golf Solutions. Diggs, this has been great. I love this conversation. Thanks so much for joining me today. And hopefully we get a chance to uh, see each other in person very, very soon, Ian. Yes, sir. Thank you, Colin. You're welcome. All right. You take care. Thank you. Bye. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ian Peterson, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Dialed in Golf Solutions. If you'd like to learn more, go to our episode show page where we've included additional links and content. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Golf Genius Software, for help making the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcast fix. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.